This is the Father Matters Show with your host, Vance Sims. Father Matters is committed to building stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. And now, your host, Vance Sims. Welcome to the Father Matters Show. I'm your host, Vance Sims. Thank you for joining us on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. May 4th, join us for our Father Matters Job and Training Institute. May 18th, all you ladies out there, join us for our Mother to Mother Workshop. Log on to fathermatters.org for any and all information regarding those workshops and trainings and everything else we have coming up. Last week, we were playing the live panel version from our Father Matters 5th Annual Court and Custody Conference. If you missed last week, log on to fathermatters.org, blogtalkradio.com, or soundcloud.com because we are going to pick up right here, right now, exactly where we left off from last week. And again, we had Division of Child Support Services, Family Law Attorneys, Department of Child Safety, Office of the Attorney General Office there. So, I knew that a lot of people was going to email us saying we wanted more. Uh, can you give us more? Look, we already got it last week. That's why we said I was going to dedicate these two weeks to the fifth annual court custody conference. This is our live panel from the conference. Jeremy, let's go ahead and roll that. You know, his office or his agency, and then it filters to us, is precluded by statute from getting involved in matters of custody and legal decision-making and parenting time. So we really don't have that much other than to refer them to organizations like Father Matters and um, Community Legal Resources and the FLAP and um, get that information from somebody else. So is it possible for, say, the, the dad to file a motion to request that they both do that? Um, well, I, I guess. I, I mean, okay. it just in our cases, since they only involve... Um, uh, not to get super technical, but when we file something, we are just asking for child support. Yeah. And so technically that's really going to be the only issue that's, um, that the court rules on. And then we have this nice little add-on that we do now where we can refer them to mediation after paternity, and they can go see a mediator if they both want to um, and get a parenting time legal decision-making order. But since nobody's really pleading it, you run into issues as far as what you're kind of the scenario that you're describing. Do you have anything you want to add? I think the the only other service that uh, the court can provide is when you're coming in through the front door of the court, you can request a referral to conciliation services, which will provide some mediation. And you can also request a referral for a parenting conference, which is uh, really helpful if you have two parents who are in conflict and, and unable to communicate well. Those parenting conferences can be really helpful. And they're, they're designed to be uh, a minimal fee. I believe um, the last time I checked, the fee was about $300 per person for those services. <clears throat> and, of course, the fee waivers through the court would also apply. But that, that parenting conference and, that, and the conciliation services um, both of those avenues can provide that that kind of um, emotional support, uh, the, the social services kind of support that the legal avenues, such as through child support, aren't able to provide. 
Okay, and my other question was about um, incarceration. So, so say a custody is is put while, or not a custody, a either custody or child support is put on somebody while they're incarcerated and they have no way to fight it, or it was happening before they got incarcerated and they don't know their rights to actually do it while they're incarcerated. And then we got these gentlemen that are getting out of incarceration, or ladies that are getting out of incarceration, and now they owe all this child support, and their first check is getting garnished because of it. What is the process and procedure that you guys have for that? So one of the things that we've been doing to help incarcerated individual out is when we know that they are incarcerated, we enter a zero order because we know they have no income at that point in time. That doesn't relieve them of the obligation. It just means that during that time period that they are incarcerated that we are not charging them for that child support. That obligation still exists, though. So when they get out that will go into effect immediately once we know they're out. So we're doing also outreach in the prisons, Jillian's group um, and Patrick in the back. Uh, their teams go out to the prisons to talk about the father's rights, and we do engage them in conversation when they do have an order. Even if it's with another state, we'll help them get with that other state or file documents for them as well. So we're trying to be as friendly as we can, knowing that while incarcerated, they're not going to have any money. And building that debt up, is really incredible because if you didn't know in the state of Arizona, any debt gets charged 10% interest, so that could build incredibly fast and people could have hundreds of thousands of dollars by the time they got out of prison. So we're doing all we can to make sure that we're looking at the best interests of both sides. But that obligation's still there. They're going to have to pay when they get out. And we do ask that if they do get out and they don't get a job to the level that they had before they went into prison, that they come meet with us so we can get an order for a real amount that they can afford. Now, what about what about custody? Is um, like maybe for you guys to answer is does say they got a felony charge? Okay, so if people make mistakes and they come back from them from those mistakes, does that get held against them when it comes into custody? I think we can answer. I, it, it, yeah, thanks. I think we can answer from a DCS perspective. We get involved, or if a report is um, filed, we get private dependency petitions a lot where somebody is saying, I'm not able to care for a child based on not having any legal authority. We'll, be get, we'll get involved and either we'll take custody at that point. Um, we do guardianships, kind of like we were talking about earlier. Um, if a permit guardianship goes through our juvenile courts, um, a parent has the right after they um, come out of um, a prisoner or wherever their circumstance is to repetition the courts to say they want um, their guardianship to be modified, to be looked at. Um, what we um, articulated before is a lot of the judges will ask DCS then to get reinvolved, kind of investigate what's going on. I, I can't say from a specific point, but from a general point, we are going to look at what's in the best interest of the child and make sure that we're looking at the totality of uh, um, safety and, and, and every other um, avenue when it comes to asking uh, the courts to reopen a guardianship. Thank you. I just want to add one more thing to that. And again, it, it seems to me just it's the ongoing theme is being a good advocate for yourself and communicating well. So, you know, we routinely file modifications for people who are incarcerated and they may have a $300 order. And because they're incarcerated, we're asking the court to modify it to zero. The only reason we're doing it is because DES or DCSS has been notified that this person's incarcerated. So, again, coming to these things, becoming informed, learning about, you know, how child support works and the court system works, communicating with people and not being scared to, you know, contact DCS or DCSS 
you know, I know that there's, you know, there's stereotypes attached to those services. I, we've already mentioned it earlier that, um, at least for DCSS, that it was mother-centric. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I, I've probably had as many, you know, women disappointed with a outcome at court than as men. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I've seen both sides of it. So it's not mother-centric. You know, you've got to communicate, got to keep people informed. Be your own best advocate. Thank you. Reina? Did you want to... Oh, I just, just wanted to put some, you know, fear at ease. Is I don't have any badge handcuffed carrying people in any of my offices. So when you come in, we're there to provide you services. We're there not, not there to take you to jail. So be rest assured that when you come in, we're there to help you. And we're not going to haul you off in handcuffs. Generally, that happens in court when the judge deems that you're not following what he asked you to do. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So I know there's been a great movement to help the number of children who are in out-of-home placement in foster care, and that's um, through the Best for Babies model or Court Teams model. And I just wondered if there's anything similar here that's operating between your agencies and family court, because I know that when a person has an open family court case, a lot of things can change on a moment's notice, including child support, um, that can be modified, visitation, legal decision-making. And my experience is that usually the agency that's enforcing those orders are the last to know. So it, get, it goes through court, and the judge will um, order something like a modification of child support or um, parent time or legal decision-making, but it takes a while for the enforcing agency to kind of catch up to the court's orders. And I was just wondering, have you guys considered a similar type of model where you're working together in in an interagency model and where you have this kind of cross-dialogue like the Best for Babies court teams do, and you kind of oversee cases together so that people are not continuing to build up arrearages or enforcements aren't being placed on old orders or, you know, people aren't getting into trouble for old parenting plans. I know that's a lot of questions, but um, there's just, it seems like the enforcement agencies are usually the last to know. As far as an interagency um, program, I know they're doing it in Tucson, and they're probably they're doing it in Maricopa County um, anytime soon, or soon, is the... Um, Basically, under um, Rule 5.1 um, uh, in uh, uh, court, a, if a juvenile court is involved, the juvenile court can take temporary jurisdiction of a family court case. And, for instance, if the juvenile court decides to terminate rights against the mother or whatever the situation is, it can also address child support at that same time. Mm-hmm. So I know in Tucson... Um, my office works with DCSS and Division of Child um, and their attorney is actually PSS, um, to when cases are showing up in juvenile court and there's issues regarding placements outside of the, there's a child support order and that child's being placed somewhere else, um, we're able to triage that case and kind of do everything at the same time. It hasn't been easy because previously there was a lot of, and it sounds silly that, especially with PSS, literally... Um, the child support attorneys and the protective services attorneys are right across the hall from each other. Mm -hmm. But we couldn't communicate with a lot of stuff just because of all the privacy and confidentiality that's involved um, in those kind of cases. So those were loosened up, and 
now we're kind of trying this program with the courts. I, I know in Tucson they do it. Um, is that well, what answer about your question? Just, um, less um, sensitive cases. So there's no out-of-home placement. There's mm-hmm. no call to DCS. So th- we're just talking about typical custody issues. You know, you have mm-hmm. two people in court who are trying to manage um, a plan, and they're not in agreement yet, and they come to an agreement in court. But if there was a, a previous agreement, so there was a previous parenting plan, a mm-hmm. previous child support order, that's changed, and the courts acknowledge that. My experience is it usually takes a bit of time for the AG's office, not to put you on blast, Scott, mm-hmm. but you know, DES and child support services to. Um, for the staff to be familiar with that new order, that new rule. And so in the meantime, you have maybe multiple orders here Mm -hmm. of child support and two different plans, and nobody knows which plan to go on. And so it really, I think, falls on um, the the individual to reach out to the agency and say, hey, this is new. But that doesn't – it takes a lot of time, I I guess, for for the agency to really – um, get that information to stop collecting on those old We're not going anywhere. We're just taking a quick breather. You're listening to the Father Matters Show with Vance Sims. This is a live recording from our Father Matters 5th Annual Court and Custody Conference. This is part two. If you missed last week's show, log on to blogtalkradio.com, soundcloud.com, or fathermatters.org. Um, we want to thank you for tuning in, and we want to get right on back to this. this. Again, this is a live recording from the Father Matters 5th Annual Court and Custody Conference. ...that things have changed? Well, on, on cases that we're, you know, that we're a party on, and that's the Attorney General's Office re- representing the state of Arizona, we get noticed on everything, and you know, the attorneys in my office review those you know, minute entries and court orders every day. That's a large chunk of what they do. And in a lot of those, there's cases that... Maybe we were never served with anything, so we didn't have any notice of this action even beginning, even though we're part of the docket. Um, but um, ultimately, we get a copy of whatever the order is just because the court sees that we're on the case, and so we get copied on everything. And as soon as we get it, it's reviewed, and then it's processed, and um, we put our codes in there for DCSS to update the debts and make sure that the correct amount is being um, you know, is being uh, enforced. In a lot of cases, we do get notice, and um, the court, when it modifies parenting time, it's also supposed to modify child support, Mm -hmm. but because the court knows that it's a 4D case, the court will just refer the action to the 4D commissioner, and, you know, what I always tell people is that, um, you know, your effective date of when your order is ultimately going to be enforceable from is typically frozen in time based upon when somebody, when you filed your action, when you serve somebody. Mm-hmm. So regardless if it takes six, seven months down the road to get something changed, ultimately it's going to go back to that point. So you still have that protection. I understand that there might be a couple of months where it hurts because you're saying, well, you know, I, I have this child or I have something, you know, I, well, I have the situation and I'm still paying garnished. this amount. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunately... You know, my client has to enforce the orders as they are from the court, and until we have an order changing something, that's the order they're going to enforce. I mean, that's that's the law. Uh, as soon as we get an order, and um, between my office and Division of Child Support Services, I think we do a really good job of, once we have notice of something, getting it um, 
changing everything on, on what they're enforcing to make sure it's the correct amount. Anybody else have anything? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. There's a young lady who is a single mom with two small children, and she plans to marry and move the children with her to Texas. The father found out that she plans to leave and get on with her life. He's vowed to stop her from taking his children out of state, even though he doesn't participate in their life. Is there a legal recourse for the young lady? Is there a legal protection? Is that what you think? There's, there's been nothing legally done other okay. than he just don't pay anything. Okay. So are you asking that uh, yeah, what the she mom wants, can do? She, she, yes. She wants to, to legally stop. be able to take the kids out of state and get married. He's vowed that she will never take his kids out of state, even though he doesn't participate. Okay. And so what is the question? Can she legally take the children with her without... Not, not without either, A, his agreement, or B, an order of the court. So if, if his position is, I don't want you to take my kids out of state, then she has to follow the guidelines that are set forth in the statute, 25-408, about relocation. So she has to give notice, and she has to provide... If he, after receiving notice... If he still says no, then she can file a petition with the court to relocate the children, or he can file a petition with the court to object to a relocation based on her notice. At that point, a judge is going to decide, and they're going to look at the best interests of the children as to whether or not they should relocate to Texas. Now, while it may be mom's best interest to go to Texas with her new husband, it may not necessarily be the children's best interest. And I know that you're, you've made a comment that the father is not um, involved with the children. Mm-hmm. And there may be lots of reasons for that that none of us here can in- intuit or know. Um, but he's still the children's father, and he still has a right to parent the children. Um, and if he hasn't been doing that, there may be reasons or not reasons, not good reasons for it. Um, but at that point, it would be up for a Uh, to a judge to look at the whole situation, the entire family system, and say, is it going to be better for the kids in Texas or better for the kids to stay here in Arizona? Usually how long does that take? A very long time. Um, Months. So it's it's not a a matter of saying, hey, I'm going to move to Texas in a week, and I'd like you, judge, to tell me if that's okay. A week is not going to cut it. You're generally looking at probably nine months to a year um, from beginning to end. So the best advice would be to put her engagement or marriage on hold to take care of all the legal stuff prior to doing all these other things. Yes. Um, I, I think it's a, always a good idea to get your legal ducks in a row before you, you're committing to a course of action. Um, and it may be that the person, the, the future husband in Texas needs to move to Arizona. Um, but in any event, the important part, if, um, if this young woman wants to relocate, is for her to get her position uh, in front of the court so that they both can tell their story, so that the children's interests can be looked at, and so that there can be a decision as to where those kiddos should be living. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Hi. 
Excuse me. I lost my voice there for a minute. I work with Father Matters. Um, I'm a grandmother. And right now, I can't see my grandchild because of her mother. She won't let us see him. Um, we've done everything she's asked for. We've given her money. We've given her everything. And she'll tell us we can come get the baby. And we get there, we can't find her or the baby. And I want to know, as a grandmother, what can I do about that? We're all looking at each other. I know. Um, who, who, how are you related to this child? I'm the grandmother. Of, it's, of my, it's my grandson. Well, yeah. really, I'm the great-grandmother and the grandmother to my, to, to the baby, I'm the great-grandmother. To the father, I'm his grandmother. Okay, so you're your dad's grandma. Yes. Okay. So any time that you have with the child would be up to the child's father. That's, but that's just that we don't get to see him. He lives with us, right? Or rather, excuse me, we don't get to see the baby. Okay. It's a girl. Okay. And the only time that we get to see her is if we give her money. I okay. mean, he gives her child support, mm-hmm. but she wants extra. And, and the court already told them what he is to give her and what he is supposed to do. They're supposed to do a 50-50, and we have not seen her. Well, if there's an order that your grandson has 50-50 parenting time with the child and he's not receiving that parenting time, it's incumbent on him, it's up to him to go to the court and say, I'm not getting my parenting time and I need it enforced. Otherwise, the, the court can't do anything. The court doesn't know, from the court's perspective, he's getting his 50-50 time. And if he's not getting it, it's his responsibility to go to the judge and say, I'm not getting my time. And your time, the time that you see the grandchild, is really his time. Right. So, so it, this is up to him. He has to step forward and, and take care of business. Okay. Thank you. Well, um, does anybody else have any other questions? Are you sure? I know you guys always have questions for me. <laughs> Sir? Yeah, I got all the people here. Please ask them the question. Yeah, go ahead, sir. Okay. Um, well, my question is about um, absent parent syndrome, or, or was it parental alienation syndrome? Do you guys have any um, any ideals or any any organized counseling things that you guys provide for the children who are who have end up being a part of that because of, of one parent's decision to keep the other parent out? Of their life? Well, there's always private counseling. Yes, but I mean that. That was part two of the panel from the Father Matters Fifth Annual Court and Custody Conference. Go back and listen to segment one from last week. Re-listen to segment two. Um, forward this out to friends. You know you have friends and family that are going through these type of issues. This is why Father Matters put on these type of events. We have the radio show. We have the Father Matters Tribune. If you have not subscribed to the Father Matters Tribune, log on to fathermatters.org and go to the lower left box of pretty much any page 
and log, put your email in there. We have a national tribune that goes out every month. We don't send any junk mail or anything. We only put out one issue every month, and it goes out nationally. So you can get with us through Facebook, the radio show, the website, the Father Matters Tribune. I mean, we are here for you. And so for a lot of us that are going through those issues, and we've got many, much, much more. We'll air some more uh, segments later on in the summer. But until then, join us May 4th for the Job and Training Institute. Join us May 18th for the Mother to Mother Workshop. Tune into the Father Matters Show. Just stay connected. And I want to thank you for tuning into the show. Send us your questions or comments to info at fathermatters.org. Thank you to my engineer, Jeremy Siegel. See you next week at the same time, same place. Have a safe week. Thank you, and God bless.